Welcome to Bayer Cropcast with Matt Willis and Craig White, your technical field representatives in Western Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We're passionate about agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcast. Well, welcome to episode three of Bayer Cropcast, September 2018, and I'm here with Matt Willis. How are you going today, Matt? Yeah, good, thanks, Whitey. Just been on a tour of the state with the Bayer team, so feeling a little bit tired, but uh, ready to sit down and uh, have a bit of a chat. Yeah, absolutely. Goodness me, the crops are really motoring ahead at the moment in a lot of areas. We're up north and even in the central and southern parts, most of it anyway, uh, really motoring along, Matt. So what are you seeing out and about? Oh, it's... it's uh well, as you said, it is green and lush, and a few of the boys from down south, where it's probably not quite as good as they used to, have uh, come up there, and uh, I think they're considerably impressed. Uh, saw some of our trials around the place we're on that, uh, whilst we were travelling along, and uh, saw some really visual uh, uh, differences between some of the, the treatments and all the trials. Um, Just amazing crops, the way they've been set up. If you know, it's incredible to look at the trials and actually see the differences between treatments, Matt, and you know, setting up that potential now. That can be, uh, you know, once you've got that set, uh, now it's protecting that and making sure it gets in the bin. So what did we see? Well, we saw a few uh, sea treatment trials has been sort of, a, as I've uh, mentioned in previous uh, episodes, that uh, been a bit of a focus for us around the state this year. And um, there was uh, one that really uh, popped out to us was the, the, the barley seed treatment trial up West Midlands out at Badgingara. We're looking at uh, loose smut and um, rhizoctonia in barley. And uh, yeah, just just now they're starting to see early anthesis of the barley and uh, all the loose smut. It's, it's, it's very visual all of a sudden. It's just popped in the last couple of weeks since I was last out there and um, able to make a few early assessments. And it was, it was, it was quite impressive to see yeah, how strong Evergold energy has been on loose smut, given how we've known that yeah, Evergold Prime's been the industry standard when it's come to loose smart control in barley to see that, yeah, we'll be, we'll be continuing to see that strength with uh, Evergold Energy. Yeah, it was good to get the team, our whole state team and a couple of people from interstate uh, doing some ratings as well and you'll obviously do some more later on because some of those treatments that, you know, haven't set the crop up quite as well are held back a little bit and um, they'll probably only see more smutted heads come out as time goes on, Matt. Certainly, and, and it's also interesting to see, uh, up, particularly up on one of the heavy land sites we've got up at Minginu, at the Minginu Irwin Group site, where we're looking at crown rot um, suppression uh, with, with seed treatments and, and, and seeing the, the, the visual differences uh, between with, with crop establishment between uh, most of the products. Uh, interesting to see how safe well, some of these newer generation SDHI fungicides such as Evergold have been on the crop and not shortening the coleoptile, whilst you're seeing some of the older triazole chemistry really handbraking the crop early and, and setting it back and we're seeing uh, not only plant numbers reduced in some of those uh, particularly when we're seeing some uh, soil pathogen impacts in there such as crown rot um, pulling back numbers um, but also seeing how that reduced number resulting in more weeds getting through there so they're starting to see some uh, higher weed numbers in those uh, plots with reduced uh, establishment and co- less competition in those plots What's really struck me by looking at the establishment from the Evergold Energy, remembering we're looking at rhizoctonia, crown rot, pythium, and that smut protection that you talked about that we're starting to see now, what really struck me compared to some other treatments um, was just how visual it is um, and how consistent the plots with Evergold Energy did look. And, you know, that's your benchmark. That's the top of your ladder that you're trying to uh, get to, I suppose, your yield potential. 
and now it's all about protecting that right through with a appropriate foliar fungicide and yeah it really um, is a is an important thing for people to understand that you know the fungicides uh, are there now to protect what you set up and you know I guess there are products around that um, have effects on leaf diseases and whatever but from what I saw traveling around in that northern area that um, some of those yep whilst they're quite effective on the leaf disease just don't seem to have the yield potential but I guess we'll see once the harvests are in but um, Evergold Energy really seemed to be putting those crops up, setting them up, so plenty of flexible options in this period and people are certainly deploying their fungicides at the moment, Matt. Yeah, and certainly with uh, seed treatment decision making about to, uh, to start as guys are looking towards harvest the next couple of months and thinking of treating their seed as they're putting into the silo, uh, Evergold Energy, which is uh, due to be launched uh, next month, I believe, Whitey, and will be available yep. for use for next season's uh, plantings, um, will certainly be at the top of the people's list as an option for treating their seed. Yeah, no, fantastic. And we'll talk a little bit more about fungicides a little later in the Bayer Cropcast. I'm um, also interested to see Whitey uh, just looking a few bit of radish around the place, like uh, the northern uh, wheat belt of Western Australia, the, the king of uh, wild radish country it really is around there. And we had one of our few interstate guests with us, and uh, one Tim Murphy, who's uh, our equivalent from South Australia, our tech guy over there. He, he said he couldn't believe the amount of uh, radish we were seeing through there. Was just, he'd heard stories of how, how it was in WA, and it was... Uh, Oh, so it was like a, a lush forest of radish. He said it was uh, it was incredible, and we went to a, had a look at one of our, trial, our wild radish trials at Yandanuka and um, seeing uh, the strength of velocity um, up against uh, Talanor, obviously a, a new entry into the market, and, and seeing how strong velocity was up against that, as well as our, our uh, Group F um, C products like your, your Jags. Um, um, yeah, it's very strong, but obviously uh, there's a few other products coming through in the next few years. We had a good look at it as well, and um, well, Velocity is still looking strong, but we'll continue to be vigilant to showcase its strength. Uh, got up to 10, 10 years of data showing how strong it has been, eh, Whitey? And um, mm. it's, it's, it's quite compelling to see how you know, a product like that, how, it's, how soft it is on the crop and how strong it is on the wild radish. Yeah, well, I organised some orange flags for you this year Matt to delineate your trials so you knew where they you know going back to them we GPS them of course but really visual uh, flags to put on the corners but actually I don't think you need any up there mate because you just drive along and you go man look at that radish there's plots there and you're going goodness me there's um, lots of radish down to hardly anything left in the plots so yeah very very good message and um, I think the tourists up there looking at wildflowers at the moment, they do like to see a few flowers around, eh? Yeah, no, I saw a few uh, <laughs> tourists on the side of the road taking a few happy snaps of the, the wild radish and cape weeds, so uh, I'll let them go. Ignorance is bliss, they say. They do, yep, and they're on the right side of the fence everywhere we saw them, so that's good too. Mm. Yeah. Uh, also, we had a look at some uh, pre-emergent ryegrass trials as well, um, looking at Sakura up against some industry standards, and uh, oh, it's become particularly visual in the last few weeks about with that extra residual control, given how we've had so many uh, cohorts of, of ryegrass come through this year, and uh, the, the residual message has really been quite clear. Seeing some products, particularly trifluralin, just that, that early breakdown in the year, some was put in dry, so we had some volatilization prior to uh, to, to weed uh, uh, emergence. Um, but yes, since then, it's uh, the trifluralin and the treatments have been particularly trashy, and whereas the Sakura has been the standout, the strong, and even the weeds that are there have still been held back. Looking at some plots where 
um, uh, the weeds, there may be some numbers that have got through in the Sakura treatments, but they're, they're looking miserable. They're, they're, the root systems are pruned back, and um, I'd imagine <laughs> when I go back into my panicle counts in about a month's time, which is never a fun job, but I'll be out there and obviously getting re restricting the number of seeds getting back into the seed back bank is so critical. So um, I, I'd imagine those Sakura treatments, that uh, those plants won't be, tr be producing too many panicles. Yeah, but we certainly saw a lot of stories as we were driving along. Well, there's stories in the paddocks, I'm sure, uh, of lots of grass weeds popping up out of the crop now, and uh, it'd be interesting to get the stories of them. I'd have a fair bet that uh, the ones we were seeing wouldn't necessarily contain Sakura mat. No, most certainly. Those yeah. paddocks, yeah. So, very interesting, and uh, yet in the south we'll start to see that as the warmer conditions come on as well, and really important part. Yes, panicle counts are quite challenging, but they are really important in managing uh, understanding of how this chemistry works and the benefit it will provide uh, for future seasons by having a lot less numbers and contributing back to the seed bank. Mm, certainly. Uh, and I believe Whitey had some, uh, he wanted to say something about some news that's been coming out uh, from over east in the last few weeks. Yeah, well that's right. We've been um, certainly um, working through with this about the pre-emergent herbicide resistance in annual ryegrass and people would have read potentially about that. So recently a small number of annual ryegrass populations shown resistance to pre-emergent herbicides from the group D, J and K, including Sakura, but there's also uh, Butasan, Trifluralin, um, and Box of Gold, there's, there's a whole range. So very complex um, uh, point here and people really, look if you're listening out there and wondering what on earth's going on, make sure you do get um, some good advice and get the proper story on this because um, there is a lot of complexity there and the researchers are going to have a quite a job ahead to actually look at that. So there's no, you can't say just because it's had you know, X product on it for a while that that's the one that's going to be resistance because there's cross resistance but the numbers are very small at the moment and the message is always the same. Mix everything up, do everything you can to reduce weeds and Sakura and those other options, you know, they still are effective on the majority of populations, but don't just rely on herbicides. That's Most what we've certainly. been saying all the time. Certainly, Wani. And, uh, and it's always critical, I've always said, uh, information is key and being able to do resistance testing uh, of your yep. weed seeds as they're coming through. Like, it's not always, if you see a weed survive an application of a product, it's not always resistance that's causing it. You've got different factors at play and with different properties of these products, they don't always work 100% and they might get through due, due to environmental conditions or application um, decisions. So uh, testing that those weeds as they come through and they survive, particularly through that harvest period when they're setting seed, you're able to uh, take, take weed samples and send them across east to, um, to, to Peter Batsalis and, and John Broster and I know the Ari is doing plenty of work in Western Australia as well to, to, add it to show whether it is resistance that's building. So yeah, very critical. Very critical. So the advice is yes, still use Sakura but test. Um, make sure you know what you're dealing with and as Matt said there's the places uh, John Broster and Peter Batsalis that can do that and also you know make sure you test uh, check out weedsmart.org.au that is a site out there and a, a very important um, place for you to go out and have a look at and uh, get great information on rotating your crops and pastures you know double knocks all those sorts of things mix and rotate the herbicides stop your weed seed set you know, crop competition and harvest weed seed control so it's got a six point plan there if you haven't had a look at it, it is well worth having a good look at and if you want to talk about this issue anymore then please get in touch with Matt or I or uh, anyone at Bayer mm, definitely
So what else have you been uh, seeing around the place, Whitey, in your travels? Uh, what's uh, what's happening in the south right now? Oh, plenty going on. Um, I was up your way though all week, so I don't actually know exactly what's going on down there, but things would have been motoring along pretty well down that way, Matt. And um, you know, we've got quite a lot of field days and things coming up, but before we talk about those, I guess it's you know really peak fungicide season at the moment, and certainly the net blotches in Bali are continuing to, to head on, and we're starting to now see... Um, even gloom blotch come mm. into wheat, so quite late. And you know, again, there's Aviator X Pro, there's Brazaro. Um, as I've said on the last crop cast, just remember too, there's only four modes of action of fungicides and three that you can use post emergent in cereals. So make sure you get good information about rotating them as well croplife.org.au and uh, make sure you check what you are really putting on because there's a lot of similar products out there with similar actives or groupings and it's important again to mix it up and we'll talk more over successive years and crop casts um, about this issue but um, yeah Matt you wanted to talk a little bit about the diseases up north what's yeah going well, on up, there? up north particularly around the Geraldton region they've, uh, they've done their one or two sclerosprays in their canola um, and they're pretty much shutting the gate up there now it's it's well beyond 50% flowering um, and uh, it's, it's done, whereas but oh, down at the mid, through the Midlands and out through the central wheat belt, they're probably still only at about that 20 to 30% flowering canola, so there's still some decision making going on whether to, to apply a sclerotinia spray to protect their canola crops, which have uh, really come along nicely in the last few uh, weeks. Um, but there are, there's also some uh, important industry um, uh, decisions to be made up north as well, around Geraldton and in Lupins. Um, everyone thinks of sclerotinia, canola being the, the, the big uh, crop that they have to worry about with sclerotinia, but yeah, Lupins is particularly around Geraldton, uh, sclerotinia is, is a, a big issue and uh, there's been some talk in the industry with the Ag Department and Pulse Breeders Australia and companies such as Bayer about options. There's currently um, two permits out there for products, there's only two um, to products that can be used in uh, lupins to control sclerotinia right now with uh, permits for uh, Rovril and Fireland, uh, but yeah, we're currently Bayer's in discussions with um, the Ag Department and, uh, and the Pulse Breeders Australia about potentially getting uh, at least another option out there for, for growers in the Geraldton region this season. Um, also seeing uh, on the, beyond uh, the fungicide side of things, there are plenty of, uh, as Whitey said earlier in the, in the crop cast, plenty of weeds have got through um, herbicide sprays, either through uh, just later cohorts coming through or, or subpar controls. So seeing plenty of uh, flowers starting to pop up in crops, the old periscopes and uh, wild oats, which is one that is, uh, you never, you really always underappreciate how many are there until about now when those <laughs> little wild oat heads start appearing on the top of the crop. So um, yeah, quite visual to see what level of weed control has been achieved throughout the, the north this year. Mm, certainly. And, you know, again, <clears throat> back onto that disease topic, um, again, you know, the yield potentials are now set up and it's all about protecting those. And certainly the sclerotinia work I was looking at with you up there showed me that that two spray strategy one really, you know, gets in there and, and uh, addresses the issue that's that might be at hand and the second spray really holds you nice and high up on that ladder if you visualise it that way to keep that yield potential up and not allow these diseases to, to take it away from you. Mm, certainly. But yeah, we've got a few key of, um, key dates coming up shortly. I've got um, well, next week on the 12th, for, uh, we're going to be having a, a sort of a, a trials day at our uh, trial hub out at Kalingri. So we're getting a whole heap of people across that to look at some uh, seed treatment trials and pre-emergent trials with ryegrass. Um, should hopefully get a big number of people across. Uh, then on uh, Thursday the 13th, 
Uh, we've got the Liebig Springfield Day, so there's always a big turnout there, so looking forward to that. And then uh, the following week, on the 18th, they've got the West Midlands Group have got their Springfield Day that I'll be attending, and uh, we're we'll talking about that trial I mentioned at the start of this uh, podcast uh, with Barley and Loose Smart, a very visual trial, which should, uh, should be a good story to tell there. But, uh, yeah, starting to wrap up the Springfield Days in the north um, for this year. Why do you think it's starting to move down your way? Yes, there's a few coming up, and the Southern Dirt Field Day down at Catanning is on the 11th of September. Coming up, then there's Rollington Park down below Boyart Brook. Very interesting down there. We um, more and more crops coming in. There's obviously livestock, um, even blue gum. Down, you know, harvesting blue gums and regenerating or you know reinvigorating that blue gum country into cropping land. So there's some interesting stuff that's on the Friday the 14th. Um, Courage and Farm Improvement Group coming up on the 20th of September out there. We've got some fungicide work out that way. If people want to have a look at it, it's uh, Courage uh, on the 20th of September, David Gray's uh, site that, that Dumbleyung is on that same day as well. There's the spring field day that we'll be running. Um, we'll be running a few of those in September and October actually to look at that Evergo Energy trial I have down there, or root disease trial, and um, that's looking really amazing. Um, we've been getting a bit wet in that site actually, Matt, and having to walk into that trial site from quite a distance. But um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to see. That'll come up and I'll give more information on that one. And then the Stirlings to Coastfield Day later in the month down at Kendernup on the 27th of September. And I'm sure there's plenty of other little bits and pieces in there. So we'll be Bayer representatives at a lot of these during the next couple of months. Mm, sounds good, Whitey. Sounds good. Yeah, mate, uh, I've been, I've mentioned the ladder a couple of times, you know, I said, you know, yield potential, let's think of it like a ladder. You want to get to the top, don't you, you know, mm-hmm. and keep everything up there. Well, Matt, there was this guy that fell off a 30-foot ladder but he didn't get hurt at all, so how is that possible? Yeah, you landed in a swimming pool, did he, or a trampoline? Or <laughs> Could have done, but no, he fell off the bottom step. Ah, oh, jeez, Whitey. Cool, right, you got one for me. I've got a question for you, Whitey. I oh, gave you no. multi- it was multiple choice last time, but this time it's going to get a nice, simple one, one, uh, one question uh, for you here. So the question is, Bayer recently acquiring Monsanto, how many people do you think work for this combined company right now? In Australia? In, in globally. How many people work oh. for Bayer, now in, which now in, includes all former Monsanto employees? How many people work for the Bayer Group globally? Hundred and over a hundred thousand. Yes. Close? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred and forty thousand. Almost. It was hundred and twenty thousand. So hundred thousand uh, from Bayer prior to the acquisition, and then twenty thousand Monsanto uh, employees as well. So right. um, yeah, a lot of people uh, working for the company uh, across uh, multiple uh, divisions: uh, crop, pharmaceutical, and uh, consumer health. It's a big company, and a lot of people uh, working together to achieve a lot of goals. Yeah, a lot of good science there, you know, and then uh, field as well. So working hard to bring new options to the to the, to the markets and make sure we can continue to uh, meet that challenge of growing sustainable food. Indeed, Whitey, indeed. Good. All right. Well, that's all we've got time for on this podcast. Matt and I are going to go and uh, clean up our vehicles, I think, after the trials tour and, and uh, catch up a little bit on the emails and phone calls and whatnot. So thanks, Matt. It's been great catching up with you again. Yeah, that's Whitey. Very much so. And we'll look forward to talking to you again on the next Bayer Cropcast in October. But don't forget, you can get in touch with us and um, you know, ask questions anytime. The door is open, the phones are on, so please ask any questions because we'd love to talk to you. Yep, and we're on, on Twitter as well, Whitey, and uh, I can be contacted on at Matt Willis Ag and yourself? At Photo by CW, and we you know, certainly will get in touch if you want to get in touch with us that way. Wonderful. All right, thanks for being here, Whitey. I'll speak to you later. See you later.
Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1-800-804-479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.